This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the X One, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My guest this hour is Richard Sennett. And anyone who has been doing any ghost research or ghost investigations over the years has heard of Richard or, or had the opportunity of listening to him speak, read his books, and much more. And Rich, welcome back to the X One. Always great talking to you. Oh, it's great to be on again. Richard, how many ghost investigations have you done to date? Oh, my files bulge with them, but I number them all. And I'm now at uh, 1,402. What was it that happened in your life, Richard, that started you on your ghost research investigation career? Well, I um, saw a ghost. I didn't believe in ghosts. I thought there was something just for the fight papers or comic books or Casper, the friendly ghost or something like that. But I was doing archaeology. I'm a trained as an archaeologist and historian. And I was at one of the old Spanish missions here in California uh, doing a dig with a team of archaeologists from Cal Poly, uh, San Luis Obispo. And late one night, I was walking through the courtyard and saw a monk. And he looked very much like, well, a brother with a hood, the whole bit. And he was carrying a candle, which is kind of odd. You know, today, flashlights would be more appropriate. Mm -hmm. But I thought, hmm, I don't know what it is. Well, the mission is still a monastery. So I saw this figure. I thought, oh, one of the brothers is up. I'll go talk to him. <laughs> so I walked up to him. And I, was, I saw him for at least two full minutes. And I got up about 10 feet from him, and all of a sudden he just vanished. He was not there. He didn't fade out. I couldn't see through him. He didn't mm -hmm. glow. He looked like a regular guy, except, bam, he wasn't there anymore. And my first impression was to see if uh, he fell in a hole. And I looked around, and what happened? There's no hole. And I thought, well, maybe he, in the dark he blew out the candle and ran away. But then I realized we were walking on gravel, because the courtyard had gravel in it. And if he had run away, I would have heard him. And it dawned on me that I heard my footsteps on the gravel, but I never heard his. And that's what dawned on me, that this must be one of those uh, ghosts they talk about. And... Um, Went back to my room, uh, left the lights on all night long, <laughs> and uh, dwelled on that. But from that moment on, I pretty much wanted to find out, uh, well, if I was crazy or not, or if uh, there was something to all this ghost stuff. Well, the next morning, mm -hmm. I met with the monks who were eating breakfast. I sat with them rather than the archaeological team. And I asked them, you know, are there any uh, stories about ghosts? And they all got very quiet. 
and they gave me a litany of ghost stories, including a ghost monk, which had been seen by members of their order. So that was about the moment I decided to investigate further. And I've been doing it ever since that uh, summer back in 1978. My goodness. Um, We've got about a minute before I have to go to my uh, first break, Richard. How do you deal with people who do not believe in ghosts? How do you deal with skepticism after all the years that you've been doing this and all the evidence that you've gathered? Well, seeing is believing. I mean, if I hadn't seen that ghost with my own eyes under those circumstances, I probably wouldn't believe either. So I can understand people's skepticism. But I do think if you look at the literature, all of the people throughout history, we're talking thousands of years from the very dawn of the written word, they've seen ghosts over and over again, not just in Western culture, but throughout the world. That literature alone commands some respect. I agree with you, Richard. Please stand by. Always great talking to you. Exonation. Nation, Richard Sennett is our special guest of this hour. And if you'd like to get more information about Richard, visit his website at richardsennettghosthunter.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. And Richard and I will be back talking about ghosts this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? 
Wire crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere. Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at Songs and Stories for Soldiers. Soldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, everyone. Richard Sennett is our special guest, www.richardsennettghosthunter.com, and he's also available on Facebook. Now, Richard, before we went to the break, you were, we were discussing your very first uh, sighting that, you know, I guess we can say propelled you into what you're doing today. And uh, we also talked about skeptics. And why is it that some people can see ghosts and other people cannot see ghosts even if there are people in a room where there is a ghost well i don't think it's you see i don't believe ghosts actually are there in physical space they were seeing them with some sort of psychic ability and i think some people just don't have that particular gift i find that people who are creative uh, artists for instance uh they tend to be far more uh, uh, able to see or determine what is a psychic event. Not everyone has that gift. And if you don't have it, uh, you could see, you could you know, believe that those people must be crazy. How could right. they possibly say there's a ghost in this house? I don't see a thing. I don't feel a thing. They're just nuts or corrupt or perhaps uh, charlatans or who knows what. So I understand it. I think it's a natural ability. But I also believe that everyone, under the right circumstances, the right atmospheric, the right opinionated circumstances, can see a ghost. I think that it is something that most Americans, most people in the world can do. It's just, uh, it just has to do with uh, being receptive to what's out there. Over the years that you've been in doing in investigating ghosts, Richard, where has been your most memorable investigation? Oh, well, I, well two come to mind. The, the, one, we're at the most haunted house in the whole world, and that is the Tower of London in London, England. That 900-year-old castle, uh, where, which is known torture, murder, mm. death, you name it. Uh, it is reported to be the most haunted site. So when I went to England, that's the first place I wanted to go. And through some connections, I managed to get the, uh, my wife and I were able to actually go into the tower uh, an hour before they opened to the public. And my, got to tour the whole place. Of course, we had a couple of beef eaters watching us, but it lived up to its reputation. That place really is haunted. We even saw a figure in the chapel of the White Tower right there. So it was definitely uh, a truly haunted place. The second best place was the Rose Hall 
in uh, Montego Bay, Jamaica. And we were in that huge restored uh, uh, mansion mm-hmm. that this lady had uh, uh, killed her lovers and had been uh, this awful witch of a woman, including many of her black slaves. Uh, she was, uh, I felt something, my wife, whom I kept in the dark about uh, um, Ann Palmer, the witch, uh, she felt something and picked up the various activities there. I felt something as well. Something pulled the hat right off of my head. And our tour guide, guide of the Lackwoman said, uh, uh, oh, uh, the ghost, she must like you. She wants you for her new husband. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, I'm already married. <laughs> But uh, it's, uh, I asked her, well, what about the ghost? You work here. I said, oh, she doesn't come out till 5 o'clock. I said, well, how do you handle that? I said, we leave at 4.30. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting place. But those are the two places I, I had the most sightings. But I've had events at the Queen Mary. I've had events at the Old Whaley House in San Diego, uh, as well as the Senator Hotel in, in San Francisco, uh, all sorts of interesting uh, experiences over the years. Why do ghosts remain? Why don't they just leave, go to the light, and continue into the afterlife? Ah, good question. I wish I had an answer for you. It seems, though, from my experiences, that ghosts are linked to people who have strong personalities, and they have something they want to have done an unfulfilled wish mm-hmm. or an unfulfilled desire of some kind. This unfulfilled image uh, that they have frozen in their personality is what causes them to keep coming back again and again and again. So I think it's unfulfilled uh, ideas, uh, emotional um, needs that mm-hmm. they may have had. In fact, I find in a lot of ways ghosts are bundles of emotional energy. That's interesting. But why would the ghost remain on the Queen Mary, for example? Well, I've actually had a chance to um, talk to a few of them on that. Uh, anyone can talk to ghosts. The big key is getting them to talk back to you. Ah. And fortunately, my wife is a gifted uh, medium and has been uh, has held seances on the Queen Mary and a variety of other places throughout the, the state and well, the nation. And she has uh, opened a dialogue. One of the people we contacted was an Italian POW who died on board the ship. And he wanted to tell of his abuse at the hands of the British military while he was a POW. Another one was a woman who took her own life um, after Dunkirk, where her uh, fiancé was killed in that terrible battle in France at the beginning of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. They had met on the Queen Mary and um, solidified their engagement on the ship, and so she always comes back there as one of the few places of a happy memory. So we have a variety of reasons for people coming back, and of course people who died uh, through accident or neglect or by suicide, do still walk the halls of that old ship. I would say if you want to see a ghost and you happen to be on the west coast of the United States, do drop into the Queen Mary. Rent a room there and don't sleep the night. No, ghosts come out between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. in the morning. Now, they come out at all times, but they're mostly seen at that window. Get up out of your bunk. Uh, walk the companionways and the decks of the old ship at those hours, and I can almost guarantee you, you'll see or experience some kind of paranormal activity. What about the Waverly Sanitarium? What was that again? What about the Waverly Hills Sanitarium? Oh, I have not been there or investigated, though I know people who have. Mm-hmm. It's a sanitarium. Wherever you have people who were incarcerated or were experimented upon right. or the mentally ill, we have in where I live the California State Mental Hospital, a Camarillo State, which has now been converted into a university. 
beautiful buildings. Unfortunately, it was rumored to be haunted when it was a mental hospital back in the 1940s. And wouldn't you know it? It's still haunted. People have seen and experienced the ghostly patients. But they did all kinds of awful things like electroshock therapy and uh, all kinds of surgeries, lobotomies to the uh, patients in their attempt to cure them. Sometimes it worked, sometimes not. And yes, people died there at that uh, institution. And of course, that kind of a scar, a psychic scar, Mm -hmm. uh, has left something behind which uh, people see as ghosts, and the students all tell us. Well, some of the girls who are at the dormitory there refuse to go out at night uh, by themselves for fear of encountering a ghost. I've talked to several people who have seen a ghost woman in the men's bathroom of the main building. All kinds of activities take place there. In fact, I even jokingly said they ought to change their name from uh, what it is, Channel Islands University, to spook you. <laughs> and uh, so the reputation for being haunted, even though the school does its best to try to uh, diminish the stories and put a, um, a cap on uh, ghost hunting or bad activities, they don't want to get a bad reputation. But unfortunately, nobody has written a memo to the ghosts and they're still very much there, and still making themselves quite well known. How about National Historic Sites? In your opinion, which is the oh. most uh, haunted? Okay, National Historic Sites. First, bar none, Battlefield of Gettysburg, Virginia, um, um, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Gettysburg is perhaps one of the most, uh, that little town where that terrible three-day battle took place in the American Civil War, um, has left much behind. There are even ghost tours there, haunted places you can stay. So I would put Gettysburg on the list. The next spot I would do would be New Orleans. And I had a lot of adventures in the old French quarter of that place. All sorts of, it's a weird place, just even out itself, a great place to vacation. But if you go to the, to the old Beauregard house, now a mansion uh, on Royal Street, it's a restored building. You can go inside, just pay a, a slight admission. It is really well known as a haunted site, and it has a colorful history. There was even uh, mafia shootings back in the 1930s, as well as uh, people linked to the American Civil War. Uh, General Beauregard, who commanded the rebel armies at uh, Shiloh, he made one blunder after another and managed to wrest defeat from the jaws of victory. And he blamed himself, and all during his life, while he stayed at that mansion in New Orleans, he would hear the ghosts of the dead who died at that fearful battle, reenacting the battle or just haunting him. Now, whether that was his guilty conscience or real ghosts, we don't know. But I've gone there, and yes, there really is something in that old building. Wow. What about other other um, areas around the world where there have been horrific battles? For example, the shores oh. of Normandy and and Auschwitz. Are these places haunted Ooh. as well? Oh, yes. But oddly enough, the death camps in Poland and Germany uh, are not haunted by the people who met their end uh, in those terrible places. They're haunted by the guards. Not the people who were prisoners, but the people responsible for the terrible death toll at these places. So uh, maybe there's some sort of guilt or retribution, I don't know. Many of the battlefields, in fact, one of the first ghost stories we have is at um, uh, the battlefield of Marathon in Greece, where the Athenian Greeks uh, fought off the Persians at the Mm -hmm. first great battle of the Persian War. And uh, it was rumored to be haunted. They took all the dead and buried them in a big pit. And um, people would hear voices there, even in ancient times. And from that point on, every battle, including the ones of the Napoleonic Wars and uh, the battles of World War II, all have had stories of ghosts. Even D-Day 
of the uh, battles that were fought in Europe during the, the Second World War, rumored haunted. And in your own Ballywick over in Canada, some of the battlefields of the uh, uh, Nine Years' War, the French and Indian War, as yep. we call it in America, they're rumored to be haunted. And right, battlefields linked linked to the battles fought during the War of 1812. All right, my friend, we've got to take our news break. Please stand by. I'll be back on the other side of the news with Richard Sennett here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen.
www.richardsenateghosthunter.com is the website for my very special guest, a good friend of the Exxon, the one and only Richard Sennett. And uh, Richard, it's always great talking to you. Um, you know, you and I have been on the circuit now for a number of years. Have you seen any advances in the in the investigative techniques when it comes to ghost hunting? Well, I'm seeing a lot of new pieces of equipment coming out, and some of them are quite exciting. You know, the first crude things like the you know the Xboxes and stuff like that, and they uh, have been replaced by more advanced tools. But sadly enough, I think the TV shows have kind of uh, turned the whole uh, science of hunting ghosts into sort of well a TV show. Uh, you see lots of things going very negative now. Yeah. Everything's about demons and evil spirits and stuff like that. And that's not the way I found ghost hunting to be. So we've actually been kind of uh, suffocated by our own success. There are some of us out there trying to find out information. But unfortunately, a lot of people see ghost hunting as a way to make money, a way to achieve fame, a way to get notoriety. And um, uh, I've never felt it was that was a direction for me. I've been a regular historian, a teacher. That's my main occupation. But ghost hunting kind of came up as a sort of hobby that became uh, more and more intrusive until it became, Mm -hmm. well, literally a second career. One thing I, I appreciate about people like yourself is that you keep history alive. You know, to be a professional ghost hunter, in my opinion, you have to be a historian first. I agree with that 100%. If you don't know the history, you um, don't have a real firm knowledge. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, uh, going through college, I had to work. And one of the jobs I got was in the theater, the theatrical department. I made costumes. So I actually had to research different kinds of dress throughout the the historic period to costume the various shows that we put on. That knowledge of costuming has helped me immensely. I have found sightings of ghosts, and I usually try to get the witness to draw a picture, or I draw for them, Mm -hmm. get what they were wearing. And these details of costume have enabled me to identify who the ghost is, the historic period from which they come. How do you go about an investigation life? Somebody was to call you up and say, Hi, Richard, uh, I've got uh, this, this area that I believe there is a haunting or a ghost. How do you proceed? Well, first, I, I get all the information I can over the phone or computer. And the goal is to find out if it's a recurrent event. I mean, if it happens once, it's not worth my time to go there because it's, it's gone. But if it's coming again and again, now that's what I really want. And I will find out by talking to them if it's something I believe to be legitimate. If it is legitimate, uh, I will organize a team. Now, many times I'll visit the site by myself just to kind of scout it out and to see if I can debunk it. I think part of our job is to see if there's a natural Mm -hmm. cause for a ghost, not just a um, uh, perhaps uh, a reflection or something like that. So I go in and now I would organize a team of people that would include both skeptics and believers people to handle uh, sound equipment, photographers, as well as psychics. I like to blend the the mechanical, technical side of ghost hunting along with the metaphysical. So I found that working together, people that are psychic and people who are technical in their uh, ways of ghost hunting, together they make a much more um, uh, impressive whole and can gather more information than they would if each one went to the same site separately. So that's what I would do. I collect all the data, then I research the data to see if there's any historical precedent for what people are seeing or happening. Or were there any murders there? Or were there any events that went on that might account for a psychic scar? Then after we reach a conclusion, we might go back several times, actually, or I may take 
different people there to see if their response matches what the first team uh, got. So I do that kind of layering to see if we can develop a case for it being haunted. Then I write a report and uh, end the investigation. But you have to do the report. If you're not doing the paperwork, you're not a ghost hunter. You're just playing in the dark and uh, having fun, maybe, but you're not doing scientific research. And I try to keep it as scientific as a flaky thing like ghost hunting uh, is. What about all this, this, this demon hunting that seems to be more and more popular instead of the old ghosts that you and I talked about many years ago? Is this part of the social uh, or lack of development based on TV shows, or is this a reality? Is evil more prevalent today than it was back then? Oh, it's more prevalent. Now, there always were demonologists. Uh, in fact, the Warrens made quite a career being demonologists uh, in the New England area. Um, but I've always found in my research that evil type ghosts are very, very rare. We're talking three or four percent of the sightings are negative, but they make a good story. They make a great TV show. Something evil's about to happen. Stay tuned. Keep keep it uh, tuned to that dial because so and so will be possessed by a demon or something like that. It's more theatrical. And uh, I seriously doubt if there's an increase in demons uh, on the earth, though some people may dispute that and say, well, there is more satanic activity. I haven't seen it in my experience. So uh, I think a lot of it is to gain ratings for a TV show, which is what these really are. They're not ghost hunts. In fact, if you watch the TV shows, what I do is very, very different. First, I don't do them in the dark with funny cameras. Ghosts come out at all hours, the daylight as well as night, even though there's more sea at night. But I don't have total pitch darkness. I don't use that as a tool. But on TV, it looks good. Uh, I don't have people locked in the haunted room, even though that's very dramatic. Uh, so I think that the emphasis of the negative is to attract ratings, and that's what they're making simply a TV show. Yeah, I, I, I you know, that's that's my feeling. But how does this affect credible investigators like yourself when you go out to do an investigation? It affects me a great deal. Why? Because people watch those TV shows. They think all ghosts are evil. Oh, no, a demon's going to take possession of my little girl. Ah! And they call me up. I have to delay their their fears and tell them this is not going to be the case. If there is a ghost here, it's just trying to give a message. Give them, if you get the message, they usually just vanish. They just um, become, um, go away. So trying to get what they want, get that message across, Mm -hmm. is pretty much how I help people who are beset by a paranormal problem they can't uh, accept. And then, of course, these TV shows just make it worse because they're looking for, you know, demons to do all sorts of satanic activity. And um, it's a lot of what my job is is made more difficult by people uh, using these kind of templates for the paranormal events happening in their houses. Exonation Richard Sennett is my guest this hour, www.richardsennettghosthunter.com. Can a ghost during an investigation physically harm you? Um, I used to say no. Uh, and I say it's possible, but if possible, it's very very rare. I've had friends of mine who've been scratched. I have had friends who are slugged. I've never had that happen at any time in my life. I've never been pushed. I have felt an icy coldness from time to time. I've felt a touch of a ghost, but nothing like a physical blow or being pushed downstairs or anything like that. Um, uh, So I don't know. I just do not believe that it is 
only under the most rare circumstances is this possible. In fact, I always say that I would rather have a ghost in my house than a burglar. Sure. Um, my dad had a saying, and that was very simple. The dead can't harm you, only the living can. Yeah, well, that's pretty accurate. How do you and your team protect yourselves from any negative entity, entity or a negative energy when you're out there doing an investigation? Well, that, you're absolutely right. When I first started, I didn't use any kind of protection. I thought, oh, ghosts can't hurt you. They're just like smoke. And then I came across something really bad, and something that truly was evil. Now I use the white light, and most of our team members have some sort of amulet or cross or uh, holy water or something like that, something that they believe in. If you believe in a lucky rabbit's foot, that will help you. But it's got to be something that you have faith in. Uh, even if it's a reddish, but as long as you believe in that reddish, that will help you. And I do use the white light, and I try not to take people places that have something negative in them. At least when I do, I warn them. I made a couple of serious mistakes, and my wife ended up in the hospital after we went into a, a house that had been, uh, three people had committed suicide in this one room. And um, it, she actually, uh, something attacked her. If you want to talk about evil ghosts, maybe that was one of them. But she ended up in the hospital dehydrated. Whoa. Are there any credible courses that you would recommend if someone wants to become a legitimate ghost hunter? Oh, well, there are very few places one can go to get a degree in parapsychology. But what I would recommend is, A, they study magic, you know, sleight of hand. If you become a magician, you can see how your eye can be tricked, how you can, this will help you. Another thing to do is take courses in anthropology, especially cultural anthropology. Take classes in the supernatural. Um, I took several very good classes uh, that taught about uh, uh, rituals performed by various uh, tri- uh, tribesmen around the world, various and sundry tribesmen. Learn those rituals. They'll give you a good understanding. Also, a good, it's good to study religion. So I would recommend a good course in comparative religion to someone who wanted to get involved in that. Now, archaeology is good, and of course, history is always good as well. All right, Richard, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, Richard Sennett is our special guest, www.richardsennettghosthunter.com. And Richard and I will be back on the other side as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center right here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. I'm almost done. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Richard Sennett is my special guest, Exxon Nation, www.richardsennettghosthunter.com. You can also visit Richard on his Facebook page. Just uh, type in Richard Sennett in the Facebook search engine, and away you go. Richard, as as I was saying uh, during the break, great talking to you again. I've had the pleasure of knowing you for well over 20 years. Uh, how many books have you written all told now? Uh, 24. My gosh. Uh and in fact, if you go on Amazon.com, you can see on my author's page all the books that I've done. It's getting it's uh, almost ridiculous, uh, and they um, embrace not only ghosts but also history as well as a few murder mysteries I've written. Wow. One that has ghost stories in it as well. I know that uh, one of the most credible people that that I have had on the show. Hands down is Lloyd Auerbach. What's your What's your opinion, of Lloyd? Great man. In yeah. fact, he's one of the primo ghost hunters out there. In fact, if there was a person I admire the most living today, it'd probably be Lloyd. Uh, I would have said Hans Holzer, but Doctor Holzer is 
has passed on to his reward are Dr. Thelma Moss, which was also a mentor of mine, and uh, she's gone to her reward. But living today and still working, still teaching is Lloyd. So I do recommend him highly. He is a great uh, he is a great person and a wonderful gentleman. Mm-hmm. As, as ref- I have, go yes. on, Lloyd. Go on. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Richard. Oh, I have a on Facebook at the Ghost Hunters Hall of Fame, which I listed all the great ghost hunters historically, and Lloyd is definitely in there, along with a number of other people uh, who have contributed to the study of ghost hunting. And that's on your Facebook page. We'll have to uh, put a link up for that as well. If you were going yes. to, if if you were going to suggest ghost hunting to a person, what would be the top three don't do's when you're becoming a ghost hunter. Okay, first, to approach it really seriously. There are some good books out there. Read the books. Troy Taylor has written a good book on how to hunt ghosts. I would recommend that. I wrote one called Phantomology, which uses my techniques in ghost hunting. But there, there's many ways to hunt ghosts. First, approach it scientifically. Keep notes. Write everything down. Don't just uh, 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 think you're going to remember it all. Write it all down. Keep accurate notes on where you go, how you go, and what you see or what you don't see. So first approach it by keeping notes. Also keep an open mind. Sometimes when you go out ghost hunting, the answer is nothing. Sometimes there is no ghost there. Sometimes you're being hoaxed, and I've had that happen to me, too. So always be skeptical. Don't throw away your skepticism and believe everything you uh, uh, happen to encounter. In fact, all of the great ghost hunters, Hans Holzer, all of them, uh, Dr. Moss, all of them said you have to retain a certain amount of skepticism. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Be open to whatever the information takes you. Uh, but those are a little bit of advice that I'd say. And um, I wish you good luck. This is one of the fastest-growing hobbies out there. Collect your stuff, gather your friends together, and be very um, uh, selective on where you haunt. Now, one thing that I like about ghost hunting, it's a way where an amateur can make a real difference. If you're in a little town, um, get your friends together and form the ghost hunters of the name of your little town. And do the history, do the background, study the local ghosts, and write them up. And give a copy of your findings to the local historical society so at least these stories, these accounts, these legends will be saved for future generations. And that way you can really do a great service to the uh, future generations to come. One of the things that I've noticed, uh, Richard, when it comes to the new breed of ghost researchers, they don't like to share information. Yes, that's a sad commentary. Everyone is, is fighting. Well, we started out, well, I started out doing this back in, in 1979, mm-hmm. 1980. There were only 12 ghost hunters in the nation, and we all knew one another. We phoned to talk to one yep. another. We shared data. You know, have you had something like this happen on a staircase? Yeah, I had this back and forth. That doesn't happen. Now it's all feuding back and forth. You know, I have mine. Don't you dare step foot in my territory. It's almost like a gang mentality. And uh, it's very sad. So I am one of the firm believers in what I call paranormal unity, which means we need to share and discuss what we're finding. We don't want to just uh, uh, keep it locked up. You know, these are my investigations. There's a lady I know, she and her group have gone to some wonderful places, places I couldn't get into, but I'd love to have been. Uh, Hollywood mansions, uh, I've been to some, but not as many as this lady. All of her data she has stored under her bed. I said, are you going to publish it? Oh, no, this is my stuff. I don't want anyone to steal it. Uh, but the, what's going to happen when she passes away? It's all going to go to the landfill. Uh, it That's won't mean anything. So, so do share your information. If this was any other science, we would be sharing data. And wouldn't it be terrible if the guy found the cure for uh, penicillin 
and then didn't tell anyone because this is my finding. Now, I don't want to share it. Nobody would be anywhere, and medical science would have been at a standstill. But that's where we were at in the study of the paranormal. We need to become more open. We need to share. This is why paracons are so important, why programs like your own right here are so important to give the word out from one uh, part of the nation to another to, so that we can work together to bring forth a better understanding of this very unique phenomenon. Richard, the time for us to say goodbye is coming close. I've got about four minutes, but I, this is my final question to you, my friend. What is the best evidence you have collected to prove the existence of ghosts? Ah, that's a hard one. First, photographs aren't it, because you can fake them. Videos aren't it. They can be faked. Voice recordings can be faked as well. The best information is the transference of knowledge. In other words, if a ghost comes to you and says someone is dead at that moment, and you discover at that very moment, half a world away, they died, there's no way you could have known that. There's no uh, ability. So you must prove the existence of some sort of paranormal link. So the transference of information is, for my money, the best um, uh, hallmark for the existence of ghosts. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, briefly uh, EVPs. What is your take on mm -hmm. the EVPs? Or should they be considered as evidence? Yes, they should, but they've got to. I use only type A, which is if you get a sound, anyone listening to it will be able to detect it. If it's just a little blurb or it has to be slowed down or sped up, I don't call that a valid. Because I could take a burp and turn it into Lincoln's Gettysburg Address <laughs> by manipulating the sounds. Uh, so if it's EVP, and I've gotten some good stuff over the years, uh, but nothing like what you see on the TV shows. A lot of the junk they have I throw away. But uh, it, it is compelling, but I don't think it's the lodestone we need to prove and authenticate a true haunting. What will be done with the evidence once it has been established that ghosts are real? Well, once that evidence is fully accepted, we have to now discover... If ghosts exist, why are they here? What is their nature? Why, why do we have these happening? Now, mm -hmm. they aren't just dead people, because if everyone who died came back as a ghost, we'd be up to our eyeballs in ghosts. They're not. They're just a few individuals seem to come back. And many times, these uh, ghostly sightings do not last a long time. They're there for a few years, then they're gone, sometimes to be replaced by others. So one Victorian gentleman investigating the paranormal actually believed that ghosts had a lifespan of 400 years. And after that, they just faded away. I think it's probably a little closer to 200. But again, we're looking uh, at the anecdotal information, which is all we have at this point in time. Richard, tell our listeners how they can find your books and how they can find out more about you. Richard, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and where they can buy your books. Okay, Amazon.com has all my books. Try my author's page. I have a number of them. I have a really scary ghost novel called uh, Fade to Fear and a book called Phantomology. There's a whole bunch of these books there. And contact me on Facebook at RichardSackGhostHunter.com or at my email address at HankHunter at AOL.com. And I've gotten email and questions from people all over the world. And I don't mind. If you've got a ghost question, go ahead and ask. I'll do my best to uh, answer your questions. As well as Richard Sack, Ghost Hunter. That's also one of my uh, email accounts. So uh, at gmail.com. Richard Sack, Ghost Hunter at gmail.com. Richard, take care of yourself, my friend. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to join us tonight here on the X Zone. And as always, I look forward to the next time you and I meet 
to discuss ghost hauntings, the paranormal, and much more. Until then, take care. Thank you. Exonation Richard Sennett has been our guest this hour. www.richardsennettghosthunter.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.